Rolling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. Uh, I realize I said Sunday night stream. It is a Wednesday night stream on a Tuesday. Tuesday night stream from a Wednesday. I actually I think this is the Sunday night stream on a Tuesday. So there you go. I think the NFL. Saturday or something like that. Yeah, you cut out in the middle of that, but I'm just going to nod my head and say that was a great point. Why am I cutting out? We just went with Clint and it was fine. It was perfect. I don't know what it was. Well, you're crystal clear now. So, okay. I was, I was saying, I think the NFL did that one time. They had like Thursday night football on a Saturday. Yes. Like special edition. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Just call it Saturday football. We don't need Thursday night. Like, like when ESPN broadcasts on Sunday, it's like Monday night football on a Saturday. (laughs) Just call it football. Uh, we'll just call this Gambling Gauchos. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter today. We'll be live on Twitch later tonight for our Patreon mailbag. But right now, we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes and the Super Bowl and also get to the 29-point shellacking of the Kansas Jayhawks, uh, whom one of us called Fraud Hawks a couple of weeks ago. We'll talk about that and being overrated. Uh, in a minute, but let's start with Patrick Mahomes and his legacy. Uh, just a ridiculous, ridiculous game. Um, it came down to coaching in a way because Shanahan and the Eric Armstead led 49ers had no idea of the new rules in overtime. Uh, the Chiefs had talked about it and looked at it for two full weeks. Anyways, go Chiefs. Um, you want to start with the game specifics, that throw that got, um, undone by the Pacheco fumble was one of the most elite throws I've seen to date, uh, scrolling left, throwing back 17 yards across his body, 54 yards down the field, an incredible throw, uh, elsewhere, uh, Travis Kelsey having a huge second half with Mahomes finding him over and over. And then you had the corn dog play at the end. So for all the doubters of Andy Reid, I feel like he shut a bunch of people up, calling a perfect fourth quarter and overtime. And uh, Mahomes, who we just saw right before this, has seven of seven fourth quarter and overtime drives that need to produce. And most other quarterbacks in the postseason since 2001 are around 50% in clutch drive situations and Mahomes is seven for seven. So uh, just overall incredible. I know you have a lot of thoughts here, Kyle, on the, the Mahomes legacy. And I know you were loving the goat talk after the Super Bowl you know, with Nate Burleson and lots of people bringing it up. Nate Burleson, I believe on the CBS broadcast was reading off the Mahomes resume and the Michael Jordan resume seven years through the league championships and otherwise and i believe jordan won his first championship in his seventh season uh went on to win six so pretty elite company there when you're talking about michael jordan and tom brady and patrick mahomes absolutely one thing i want to be careful of is talking too much about an individual in a team sport i could probably the, we might have to set the over under this podcast at about two hours because I could talk about Patrick Mahomes that long. So I'm just going to get everything out of the way, everything else out of the way before that, so that I 
I can check that box and say, well, we didn't only talk about Patrick Mahomes. We acknowledge all this other stuff. Okay. Chiefs defense, elite. Elite. Trent McDuffie was incredible. He's incredible. Chris Jones, incredible. Legereus Sneed, George Karloftis, all of them made plays. King Felix. King Felix, tackle for loss out of nowhere. Like, I thought they were basically redshirting him this year. He's forced into, into action because Aminahu is out and tackle for loss. Awesome. They were, I, I think they're one of like four teams in NFL history that never gave up more than 25 points in a game or 24 points in a game with like the 2000 Ravens and like defenses like that. Wow. So great job all around Chiefs defense. They leaned on them all year. That was the better side of the ball, which is crazy when you have Patrick Mahomes. Harrison Butker, four for four. Clutch field goals, Super Bowl record, like an hour after the other guy set the Super Bowl record. Tommy Townsend. Um, You had to punt the ball a lot in the first nine drives of the game. And it's one of those things you you usually don't notice the punter unless something goes horribly wrong. But I feel like him flipping the field over and over and over again – like did just enough to kind of allow the Chiefs to play that bend, don't break defense they were playing. Whereas had the 49ers gotten better field position a few times, could have been a different game. To that end, special teams unit as a whole, we just talked about the kicker and the punter, the punt return uh, or the punt coverage, fumble recovery, huge game swing and play. Quick strike right after that, Andy Reid finally decides to not run it to Pacheco for two yards on first down and get behind the chains instantly. We throw it on first down, touchdown to MVS, who – is wide open, and did you see the bobble? I did. He caught it, though. <laughs> My heart stopped. I was like, MVS, dude, like, you can't be doing that, uh, even though he's been doing it all year. Spags, I think he has a case as best coordinator in NFL history. Yeah. I mean. Four, four Super Bowls, two different teams, and all four of those Super Bowls were against number one seeds. Yeah. I think three of them as an underdog, like shut down prime Tom Brady. This 49ers offense was amazing. The Eagles got theirs last year, but still. Um, and then the four, Kyle Shanahan 49ers offense back in 2020, but incredible. Like people talked about Belichick's assistance during that first Patriots dynasty with Cronell and Wise. Spags is better than both of them, in my opinion. Yeah. And you, you look at Spagnola just specifically. Um, that Tom Brady offense he shut down in the Super Bowl was one of the best offenses of all time to that point with Randy Moss and the boys in 2007. And then 2011, they did it again with a really good offense. Uh, and then now twice back-to-back here uh, with the Chiefs. Pretty incredible. And he had a lot more talent this year, I thought, at least uh, a year older talent with a lot of those young guys. Uh, man, really, really impressive. The odds makers, thank you for placing that chip on the Chiefs' shoulder. It's one that they haven't really – I know they tried to play that up last year, like, oh, everybody doubted us. And I think maybe because people were talking about Burrowhead and they had lost to the Bengals the year before. I don't think anybody thought they were some scrappy underdog. But this year, and for good reason, myself included, on Christmas watching that pick six against the Raiders, I was like, okay, they don't have it this year. And you can still hang your head high. They had a good run. Maybe not every single team is built for a championship. But to make them underdogs in their last three playoff games, in hindsight now, it's like they weren't going to lose. And 
I think that they've entered the, – we were kind of talking about this in college basketball. Like The Jayhawks should never be dogs at Allen Fieldhouse. Unless Patrick Mahomes is injured, the Chiefs at minimum, like, okay, even if they have to go to Buffalo, to Cincinnati, um, to San Francisco, to Philadelphia, to Baltimore, like Chiefs minus one, just you, you can't do it any other way at this point. Yeah. I mean, and, and he said it after the game. Yeah, he said the Chiefs are never underdogs. Believe yeah. that. A legendary quote, by the way. Hell yeah. Lastly, of course, Taylor Swift, the anti-Yoko Ono, the good luck charm that this team needed. She goes to 13 games. The 13th one is the Super Bowl. They score the game-winning walk-off touchdown drive on the 13th possession of the game. There's all that other numerology out there. Go on the internet if you haven't already. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Shout out to Taylor Swift. Yeah, 100 minus 13 is... 87. Mm. Travis Kelsey's number. Yeah. Okay. Gave a lot of credit to a lot of people there. Yeah. Now we can talk about Patrick Holmes for as long as we want <laughs> without anybody going, oh, it's a team game. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Boxes checked. Let's start at the beginning of Patrick Mahomes' NFL journey, and I do mean the beginning. I remember this very clearly. His junior season concludes – and he calls a press conference. Some tech fans were in denial. Said, I remember tweeting, said, people don't usually call a press conference to announce they're staying at their current job. I kind of saw the writing on the wall. Some tech fans, people who watched him play for 25, 30 games in Lubbock, said, oh, I don't know. I don't know if he's ready. He needs another year to develop. He's too raw. He won't be a first-round pick. And I said, no, he's gone. The talent there is off the charts. It's wise for him to move on versus risking injury. Like, he has nothing left to prove at Tech. He could win, but in in the NFL, they're drafting you based off of potential measurables, all that. Sure enough, he calls a press conference as I'm going pro, and the pundits immediately say, well, he's got work to do. He's raw. He's not going to be a first-round pick. Some of them said that. Some said he was a first-rounder, but he had doubters as well. The Chiefs trade away a first-round pick to move up into the top ten to grab him, and we were told that they gave away too much, that a team already consistently in the playoffs and winning its division didn't need to spend two first-round picks on a raw quarterback that wasn't ready to help them win immediately. Told it wasn't the right strategy for a team whose window was already open and that was trying to make it to the next step and secure that elusive Lombardi trophy. We were told by some that it was the, quote, worst mistake of the draft, end quote, and that, quote, nothing you see on his college tape translates to the NFL. Now, before I continue, am I off base here, or are these, in fact, all narratives that were present at the time? Because I don't want to be out here constructing a straw man argument. 100% narratives. Uh, I believe in the quotes that Texas Tech pulled after his first Super Bowl, uh, one pundit said, not only does he not have good footwork, he has zero footwork. Yeah, the other one I loved in hindsight was that, like, oh, you see these razzle-dazzle plays, and, you know, that doesn't work in our business. Yeah, It was like, hey, we're, we're kind of at this level, and what you do, it's not going to work over here. And we'll get into this, but Patrick Mahomes actually – busted down the door to that house and said, no, this is how it's done now. I can do whatever the hell I want in your business. 
y'all are going to now adapt to me and every single team is going to play with two high safeties and never blitz because I'm that good. I don't need to adjust to y'all's game. Y'all need to adjust to mine. From his very first uh, drive in the preseason when he threw that bomb to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, literally just threw it over three defenders' heads because they didn't think he could throw it that far. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like when a home a power hitter comes to the plate in Little League. The coach is like, hey, back up, back up. Like, your safety can't play eight yards off the ball when Mahomes is throwing a Tyreek Hill. So he gets drafted. Haters and losers, doubters, there are many. He redshirts his freshman year or his rookie year. Okay, they trade away Alex Smith. It's go time. His first year as a starter, here's what happened right out of the gates. NFL record for the most touchdowns in a player's first three games. NFL record for the most passing touchdowns through a season's first two games. I think it was game three. It might have been game four. The Chiefs were going to play the Broncos on Monday night football. And a funny thing happened after we just saw the greatest two or three game entrance the sport has ever seen. As it tends to do, the media felt compelled to craft another narrative about Patrick Mahomes. Sure, this first-year sensation that was breaking records out of the gates looks amazing now, but could he do it in primetime? Could he do it on Monday Night Football, where the lights shine the brightest, on the road against a division rival in Mile High Stadium? Here's what happened. 300-plus total yards. Pass touchdown, rush touchdown, left-handed pass to extend the eventual game-winning drive. So we checked that box. The lights came on. He's still really freaking good. Later in the season, I don't know if this was November or December, he's getting ready to play his first game in cold, windy conditions. And people start to wonder, well, he's from Texas. He played his high school career in Texas. He played his college career in Texas. Could he play in cold weather late in the season with playoff seeding, division championships on the line. Jumping ahead of myself a little bit here, but Patrick Mahomes is now 11-1 and one at Arrowhead when it's 35 degrees or less. He's 5-0 and oh at Arrowhead when it's 18 degrees or less. I don't know what the temperatures were in Baltimore or Buffalo this year. Dub, dub. You, he can play in, I'm, I'm sure the two-a-day tape at a White House in August looked amazing when it was 105 out there. And he looks good in cold weather, too. So another kind of, well, let's doubt him here now. Another box checked. He finishes tw- the 2018 season, his first as a starter, with the following accolades. Division champion, one seed in the AFC, second player in NFL history with 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns in a season. Not the second first-year player in NFL history, the second player ever. Out of all the seasons ever quarterbacked in the NFL, This guy in his very first try throws for 5,050. Second player to ever do that. Most valuable player in the league. First home playoff win for the Chiefs since 1993. He loses to Tom Brady in overtime of the AFC title game because D Ford lines up offsides. And NFL overtime rules at the time prevented Patrick Mahomes from touching the ball. I'll note There were no changes made to the NFL overtime rules as a result of this game. We'll circle back to that later. You probably know where I'm going with that. This was all done, by the way, with a bottom five or ten defense in the NFL, depending on which stat you look at. I think they were ninth in total points per game. I think they were bottom eight or bottom bottom six in pass yards, bottom two in rush yards, 
the defense stunk at that point. They didn't have the guys yet that they have now. It was very reminiscent of Texas Tech days. I remember watching that Chiefs team in the playoffs go, just get them a stop, and you're going to the Super Bowl, and they couldn't do it in the second half. And I, I think if he was allowed to touch the ball in overtime, we all know what would have happened in hindsight. They would have scored, probably gone for two, probably would have called corn dog and gone to the Super Bowl. But if it's enough for candies and butts, we'd all have a happy Christmas. But So first regular season? Could not have gone better. He was literally the league MVP in his first season playing in the NFL. The only thing the haters and losers could knock him for is, well, he didn't make it to the Super Bowl, didn't win a Super Bowl. Okay. Statistically far and away the greatest first-year start for a quarterback in NFL history. I'll fast-forward through most of year two because you all know what happened. The stats are insane once again. The Chiefs win another division title, and it's on to the playoffs. Here's the playoffs. Divisional round, 24-point comeback, second straight AFC title game, double-digit comeback featuring maybe the greatest run by a quarterback in NFL playoffs history. Chiefs reach their first Super Bowl in 50 years. That extra first-round pick looks like it might be paying off after all. They get to the Super Bowl, double-digit comeback win in the fourth quarter, Super Bowl MVP, youngest quarterback to ever win Super Bowl MVP. How are we feeling after year two? Uh, Feeling pretty good. I remember even thinking then if Mahomes doesn't do anything else, he's got a great legacy in the NFL. He's got an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, a Pro Bowl MVP, I believe, from that first season when he actually got to play in the Pro Bowl. Um, I was thinking two years in, man, if he doesn't do anything else, you're having a hell of a year, a hell of a career. I remember two pundits at the time. Nick Wright, who I love, I love his Chiefs and Mahomes propaganda. Yeah. He, was, he wasn't he was talking GOAT stuff yet, and, and you can after one. But he said, if, if we're going to see somebody surpass Tom Brady, the beginning of his career probably looks a lot like that. And that was, in my opinion, um, good foreshadowing of what was to come. We'll get into that later. And I remember Michael Wilbon on, pardon the interruption, a question was posed to him and Tony Kornheiser that if Mahomes retired right now after playing two years in the NFL, is he a Hall of Famer? And they were like, you know, I don't love this answer, but yeah, he's got to be. Like like you said, MVP, Super Bowl MVP, yeah. record-setting statistics. It's a it, it would be a weird Hall of Fame resume, but like you can't leave him out, can you? That's how good he was. He played two seasons, and they were ready to put him in the Hall of Fame if you, if you wanted to hang it up at age 25 or whatever he was then. I believe that Troy even comment was in 2019, so before his first Super Bowl win. Okay. Okay, let's move on. The COVID-impacted 2020 season, they lose in the Super Bowl to Tom Brady's Buccaneers with 20 or 25,000 people in the stadium. I won't get into all the context of that game. I think he had four missing offensive linemen. Yep. Some of his incomplete passes were – he was – parallel to the ground, suspended in midair, throwing it off of his teammates' face masks. Like, I remember watching him and thinking, like, players have lost the Super Bowl by 22 points before, and it usually looked like they choked or they threw a pick six or, like, Rich Gannon threw five interceptions in a Super Bowl. This was not that. He was still, in my opinion, and I know I'm biased, maybe the most impressive player on the field in a in a losing effort. Like, they weren't close to winning that game. But I didn't come away from going, oh, like the lights were too bright or 
the defense found something there. I mean, they kind of did because they were able to rattle his cage a little bit, but a lot of that was because he had no, literally no offensive line. And that game was in Tampa Bay. Was it really? Yeah. I forgot that part. That was like the first home game ever for a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. I'm not going full blown. It's Mickey Mouse. It doesn't count because it was COVID. But when you have a Super Bowl with 20 or 25,000 people, yeah. I think there's something to be said for athletes like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, for that matter. Michael Jordan, that like when the lights are on and it's game seven, that kind of thing, it goes to another level. And that Super Bowl atmosphere to me did not have that. But whatever, they lose the Super Bowl. 2021, they lose in overtime to the Bengals in the AFC title game. They gave that one away. Pretty bad second half collapse, if we're being honest. I think they've shared blame to go around. Mahomes uncharacteristically turned the ball over. I think there's some bad coaching decisions, some flukiness. It is what it is, though. He got beat on his home turf. And at this point, these two seasons through now three years as a starter are like as bad as things have gotten. It's like, oh, no, we lost the Super Bowl. We lost an overtime of the AFC title game. That Those were the low points in the, in four years as a starter, which I think says a lot. A quick note on the 2021 season. Before the AFC title game loss in overtime, Mahomes defeated the Bills in the divisional round in a game that Kansas City's last three possessions were as follows. Go-ahead touchdown, game-tying field goal in a drive that started with 13 seconds left, game-winning touchdown. In response to this game, the NFL changes its overtime rules after Josh Allen didn't get a chance to possess the ball in OT to ensure that in future seasons, when a playoff game goes to overtime, both teams have the chance to touch the ball. Not opposed to the rule change. I think it's a good rule change. I question why it wasn't done even before the Brady versus Mahomes AFC title game, but kind of peculiar that it happens after this one that like now we've had enough of the star quarterbacks not having a chance to possess the ball, Yeah, but we hadn't had enough of that when Mahomes didn't get a chance to touch it in a scenario where I think we're all pretty confident the Chiefs would have scored. So that's 2020 and 2021. Any thoughts here now that we're through four years of him as a starter? Is the legacy yeah. tainted with these late season losses? What are you thinking? No, I don't I don't believe so because you look at uh, Dan Marino. Nobody really looks back on Dan Marino. He only went to one Super Bowl. It was in his rookie year. Didn't win. Uh, people still look at him as having a great career. You get one early. Uh, and in my opinion, as a Cowboys fan who's lived a long time between Super Bowls, uh, you got to get them when you can get them. And if you just get one, then anything else is icing on the cake. I was not negative on Patrick Mahomes at all. Uh, though I was worried about the Chiefs at this point because you're trying to keep Tyreek Hill still, which we'll talk about that in a second. Try to keep Chris Jones. You're trying to keep this offensive line. You're trying to refresh the offensive line. Uh, these tackles, you're you're trying to get better at interior. Um, you've pretty much lost the entire offensive line from that first season he was a starter. Um, yeah, I was worried about the Chiefs uh, post post uh, missing the Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to take people back in time to, I don't know, I guess pre-Mahomes. Do you remember what Andy Reid's reputation was? Choker. It was big Choker. game playoff choker. He went to five straight NFC championships, went to one Super Bowl, and they choked against the Patriots. 
And with the Chiefs, when Alex Smith was his quarterback, they lost to the Titans. They blew a lead to the Titans at Arrowhead. They had, I think, a A Marcus Mariota-led Titans team. Yeah. In which he caught his own touchdown pass. (laughs) Do you remember the Andrew Luck game? That was on the road, but the Chiefs had a big lead. I think like 17 points. At least. So here's, here's what I'm thinking. One electric season, they win the Super Bowl, and then the next two years lose the Super Bowl in pretty bad fashion, choke in the second half against the Bengals. I thought it was like, okay, this is Andy Reid. One year was the exception to the rule, but like this is what it's going to be like for Mahomes. He's going to reach an AFC title game. He might reach a Super Bowl, and Andy Reid is going to kind of do his part to choke it away. Yep, That's kind of where my head's at, and I'll be honest, like a little bit worried because I'm thinking the same thing everybody else is after year two, like – he got a Super Bowl really early. If he can get three or four before age like 32 or something, then he can really make a run in the final stage of his career to put himself into some legacy conversations. That's where my mind's at. Now let's recap the last two seasons, which take place. You alluded to this earlier, Rob. After the Chiefs trade away the best wide receiver in the league, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. We're told by people who play the game in that division, Keenan Allen, that this will expose Patrick Mahomes. And the narrative out there from Keenan Allen and many others was that these gaudy numbers, this regular season and postseason success, was largely dependent on Tyreek Hill. And they're wondering now about the kid who shouldn't have left his senior year at Texas Tech early to go to the draft, who the Chiefs shouldn't have traded up to draft, who... We don't know if he can throw it in the cold. We don't know if he can play on Monday Night Football. Now we're wondering, can he play without Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill himself on his podcast said something to the effect of, I need to be more involved, and I I wasn't going to be in that offense, and I want to make Andy Reid feel like he made a mistake and that he needs me in order for Patrick Mahomes to continue doing what he's doing. He's basically saying, like, I was the secret sauce there. Let's see how they get along without me. Here's how they got along without him. 2022, Patrick Mahomes, NFL record for most total yards in a season, NFL MVP, fifth consecutive AFC West title, fifth consecutive AFC title game, avenges the loss to Joe Burrow to reach his third Super Bowl in four years, double-digit comeback versus the Eagles on a high ankle sprain, scoring on every single possession in the second half, defeating the team with the most points scored in a Super Bowl loss in NFL history, which won its first two playoff games by a combined score of 69 to 14. That's a 55-point margin. First player in NFL history to win Super Bowl MVP, regular season MVP, and lead the league in both passing yards as well as passing touchdowns all in the same season. First player. So name anybody else who's ever played the game. They haven't done it, but Patrick Mahomes has. Sixth player in NFL history with multiple Super Bowl MVPs. He's 27. How are we feeling? These are the players who caught passes in that Super Bowl. Uh, Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, Justin Watson, Jarek McKinnon, Noah Gray, Kadarius Toney, and Sky Moore. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Jody Fortson both missed their only targets. That's the weapon crew against the Eagles. All right, so here we are, 2023. Chiefs play their worst regular season under Patrick Mahomes, but they win the division title for a sixth straight year anyway. They beat Tyreek Hill head-to-head twice, 
including in the playoffs, to send his butt home. The doubting starts again, myself included. Hand up. I just got through saying it. I saw that pick six against the Raiders. I thought, okay, they stink. Sure, Mahomes was a first-round pick when they said he wouldn't be, couldn't win in prime time, couldn't win in the cold. And now that he's a two-time Super Bowl MVP, they have the audacity, the gall, to wonder if he can win on the road in the playoffs. Underdogs on the road at the number two seed, Buffalo Bills, who probably ended the regular season as hot as anybody, maybe more than anybody, but at least on par with the Ravens. They win on to the sixth straight AFC title game. For those keeping track at home, that's every single season that Patrick Mahomes played. Now we're road dogs at the number one seed against the Baltimore Ravens, who many, they just got done beating the brakes off the 49ers. Everybody believes they're the best team in the NFL. They have the NFL MVP, and they win. They're on to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. We fast forward to the Super Bowl. The opening line is exactly what I thought it would be. San Fran minus two and a half, because we never learn. Against the NFC's number one seed, featuring seven All-Pros plus Nick Bosa. What happens? What else? Double-digit comeback win. Third Super Bowl title in five years. That's what we call a dynasty, by the way. His last four drives were as follows. Go-ahead score, game-tying score, game-tying score, game-winning score. Becomes the third player in NFL history and the youngest by seven years to win Super Bowl MVP three times. He completes the greatest five-year stretch in NFL history. I can back that up if anybody would like me to. I want your thoughts on that in a moment, Rob. He cements his status as the most clutch player in NFL history, not through six years, period. He's the most clutch player in NFL history. First team to repeat a Super Bowl champs in 19 years. Oh, and by the way, he's now 11th in Super Bowl history for rushing yards as a quarterback whose game is primarily throwing the ball. Like this isn't Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick. If he plays in three more Super Bowls, second all-time is not out of the question. If he plays in five or six more, he could pass Franco Harris for most of all time. Your thoughts on cementing the Chiefs as a dynasty. He's now six years in. Let's call that one-third of his career and thoughts specifically on the five-year stretch. Uh, I do want to go back real quick to Brett Veach and the Dolphins trade. Uh Tyreek Hill could have stayed in Kansas City for $3 million less and probably won at least one more Super Bowl. I don't know if you went both of them without him. But those picks that you traded from the Dolphins, uh, would you like to know who those turned into? Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie, Sky Moore, and Rasheed Rice. Uh, Rasheed Rice, your wide receiver won this year. Trent McDuffie, uh, you might not win the Super Bowl without Trent McDuffie this season who shut down Debo. Debo Samuel was like six catches or three catches, something, but he had 11 targets. I mean, they tried to throw the ball to Debo Samuel, and McDuffie was shutting him down. Uh, And then Sky Moore, for what it's worth, uh, caught a touchdown pass in that uh, previous Super Bowl on one of the corndog plays, I believe. Um, His only catch was a touchdown. So pretty good, Brett Veach. And uh, you re-signed Chris Jones to a one-year deal. We'll see if you can do that again. Um, But the most impressive thing about the Patriots dynasty was that they did it kind of three different ways. They had the the defensive running game, bus driver, Tom Brady in his first three. 
And then you have the middle, get to two Super Bowls, don't win one, kind of offensive electric down the field Tom Brady. And then you kind of had a hybrid in the final three or four that he, they went to and he won a couple more. Um, Mahomes is still in his first uh, era, if you will. Go with uh, Taylor Swift verbiage there. He's in his uh, MVP era. And can he do that again and again? Can he do it with different rosters? Can he do it post-Travis Kelsey? Can he do it post-Andy Reid? Uh, these are all questions that you're asking now, but with Andy Reid, with Travis Kelsey, hell yeah, you can do it. And they'll do it again next year if you let them. Uh, there is no difference here. Um, I read a bunch of tweets after the Super Bowl um, that were just uh, prescribing greatness to Patrick Mahomes and all the context in the world. Uh, we alluded to one earlier. Wait. Um, go ahead. Wait. Well, I'm... We'll have we'll reference that tweet later in the conversation. The the one I sent you today. Yeah. Okay. If it's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean we can read a bunch of tweets if we wanted to on the context of Patrick Mahomes, but uh, to your initial question, as long as the Chiefs can field a roster, and this was supposed to be the year they couldn't field the roster with Patrick Mahomes taking up the largest cap space of all time. By the way, that's back to back seasons of the most cap space taken. You're ahead of me. And nice balloons, by the way. What is is it your birthday? How is that happening? I don't know. Did you hit like an effects button? No, I'm not touching my computer at all. I don't know what's going on. Someone's ballooning me. I don't know what's happening. Here, hold up two fingers. Is that... Who knows? Uh, I'll say this, though. If if Brett Veach and, and Andy Reid can keep it together for a couple of more seasons, I think the Chiefs will be right there. On the on the dynasty talk, I, I was actually a little bit surprised that people were like, "So this is a dynasty now, right?" I'm like, yeah, indisputably, in my yeah. opinion, three yeah. and five years going back to back, you're a dynasty. Now, the reason I stopped short of see, so people have probably listened to the first thirty minutes of this and go, "Oh, this guy's a total homer." He's just gonna sit. I would have called him the greatest dynasty ever if I was being a homer about it, but I'll be objective and say it's not because the Steelers won four in six years back yep. in the seventies. But I did call it the best five-year stretch in NFL history because no team has ever made five consecutive Super Bowls. This team made four out of five. Nobody's ever won four Super Bowls in five years. So the Chiefs matched the most Super Bowls in a five-year span ever with three. They matched the most Super Bowls reached in a five-year span with four. They got past regulation in the AFC title game, the one year they didn't make the Super Bowl, and their regular season win totals in those five years exceed what anybody else did in a five-year span. So if you disagree with that, I think you're wrong. I think we could have a reasonable conversation about it. Tell me which five-year team you think is better. But I think the Chiefs have a very serious claim to that. And this isn't, by the way, we'll get into this later, like, a lot of guys, when they finish their career, they have 15 or 20 years to look back on. And you say, well, this five-year stretch was amazing. This is the only stretch so far. Like, he's only played six years. We're not cherry-picking his best years or his best stretch. It's just, like, the only thing we have. Right. And it's already that good. So, in both Super Bowls, you were just getting at this. Mahomes' contract accounted for almost exactly 17% of the team's salary cap. In the 21st century, no other team has won a Super Bowl 
paying its quarterback more than 12.6% of the team's cap. So Patrick Mahomes just got through doing twice, back-to-back, what nobody else has done once. Here's why that's significant for salary cap conversations. I'm not trying to Kyle explain this. But if you pay your quarterback $63 million a year, which I think is Deshaun Watson's cap hit next year, it means the Browns basically can't put a team around him. Like you can't have a quality left tackle, a quality edge rusher, a number one wide receiver, all that at the same time you're paying a quarterback that much money. It's part of why the 49ers roster was so stacked this year. They're paying Brock Purdy pennies. They can put eight all pro caliber players around him at positions on both sides of the ball, and it works really well. So teams have to be careful about that. Quarterbacks have a lot of leverage. They can't really say goodbye to a franchise-type quarterback like Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. But also if you overpay, it really kind of puts a firm ceiling, usually, on how good you can be as a team because you can't pay other guys. Now everybody looked at that ceiling and thought, okay, it's 10 or 12%. Patrick Mahomes at 17% was still good enough to win the Super Bowl against two number one seeds, including – this year, the greatest playoff run in NFL history in terms of difficulty of attaining the Super Bowl title based on DVOA. I think that's later as well. So it's it's shattering the mold here. Like nobody has ever paid a quarterback this much and won the Super Bowl. Let's talk legacy now. Because I think we've recapped the seasons. We've recapped the body of work. And we love doing this. It's like... LeBron James, five years into his NBA career, we're already like, okay, let's start tracking the Jordan stuff. And what's crazy is we don't do this with teams. Like we don't, we don't sit here and debate all off season. Who was the best team in major league baseball history? Or who's the best team in NHL history? But we debate players legacies all off season when we're looking for fodder for radio and podcasts. And like, is this guy a bust? Is this guy elite? Is this guy in the same territory as Michael Jordan? And, all that. We love doing this with individual players. America cannot get enough legacy talk. There's only one player that Patrick Mahomes is chasing. It's Tom Brady, obviously. Sure. If Patrick Mahomes retired today, if we log off this podcast, I open up Twitter and we find out that Patrick Mahomes surprisingly announced his retirement. He's probably ahead of Montana, Manning, Bradshaw. At the very least, he's caught them. Like if we're if we're tier ranking NFL quarterbacks all time and we're building a pyramid, Brady's at the top. And in some order in that second tier is Mahomes, Montana, Manning, Bradshaw, in my opinion. Do I mostly have that right? Is there, am, am I missing a quarterback that deserves to be in tier two there? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, as far as Super Bowl winning quarterbacks goes. At the very least, Patrick Mahomes has caught those three guys. I think he's passed them. For the purpose of semantics, let's say he's he's still chasing one guy because he's at least even with these others. Now, Rob, as some very, very smart people will astutely point out, Tom Brady was born before Patrick Mahomes. That's true. I've heard that. He has played many more seasons than Mahomes, which skews overall totals, some overall totals. We'll get into that for now. When I have these discussions with people about greatness and legacy, they're very quick to go, oh, look at these totals from Brady. Well, he played 23 years. Yep. Mahomes has been out of diapers for 23 years. So 
Let's do something that I think smart people can be capable of doing. And let's look at kind of similar points within different guys' careers. Take a snapshot, look at percentages and rates instead of totals. Now that we have a good, a very strong six-year sample size for Mahomes, that's about a third of a, a full career. This isn't some like Mahomes had one good season, two good seasons. Let's compare it to Brady's 20. We have six years now. Because it frustrates me the extent to which some of these arguments just boil down to, well, Tom Brady was born first. He's played more seasons, so that's that. Patrick Mahomes' playoff win percentage is better by a not insignificant amount than Tom Brady's regular season win percentage. Mahomes has played 18 playoff games, a lot of those at home, which I think is fair to point out. Three of those, four of those at neutral sites in the Super Bowl and two of them on the road. So that's six away from home, nine at home. That's a fair distinction to make because in a 16-game NFL season, which is what Brady played the majority of his career, is going to be eight home, eight away. But here's the other thing. In the playoffs, you're exclusively playing good teams. When you're in the AFC East, you're exclusively playing the Jets, who stunk for Brady's entire career. The Bills, who stunk for Brady's entire career, the and the Dolphins. They did have a couple of Mark Sanchez years, yeah. and Brady lost to him in the playoffs, uh, I think twice. So yep. the Dolphins, for the most part in Brady's career, stunk. So he gets six games a year against some Patsies, probably plays some other weak opponents outside his division, and he wins about 75% of his career games, playoffs and regular season. Mahomes in just the playoffs, playing at least four number one seeds, three in the Super Bowl plus the Ravens this year, playing twos, threes, fours, fives, you know, whoever, 83% win percentage. Again, this is not one or two playoff runs. This is six years now as a starter. Mahomes wins at a higher rate in the playoffs than Tom Brady did in his entire career in the regular season as the greatest of all time. Let's chew on that for a little bit. Patrick Mahomes won two MVPs in his first five seasons as a starter. Tom Brady had two MVPs through his first 16 years as a starter. In year 17, Brady won his third MVP award. So if Mahomes goes the next 10 years without winning an MVP, which I think is doubtful, he will still not be behind Brady's trajectory or pace in acquiring MVPs. Now, I'll note this. When I'm talking about Brady's years as a starter, uh, I, I'm, I'm not counting either player's rookie year because they both redshirted. Brady missed all of 2008, tore his ACL in the first game of the season, so he didn't play that year. Sucks, but he didn't get to add any stats or anything that season. Tom Brady missed the playoffs in his second season as a starter. You know, off the top of your dome, how many times Mahomes has missed the playoffs, Rob? Uh, zero times. Zero times. And that was during the stretch of his career where he was his youngest, knew the least that he'll ever know about football, never missed the playoffs. Actually, as you know, never even failed to at least get past the end of regulation in the AFC title game. Meanwhile, in that same stretch of Brady's career, he's missing the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes. Six seasons as a starter. You know how many times 
He's been a pro bowler in those six years. Uh, six times. Six. You know how many Brady had in his first six years? Ooh, uh, I saw this. One? Three. Three. Quick math. Mahomes, 100%. That's double the rate that Brady made in his first six years. This might be what you're thinking of. Mahomes, his first six years, was an all-pro selection three times. Brady, just once. Once. Again, quick math, top of the dome. That's three times as many. Patrick Mahomes, this is one of my favorite Mahomes stats. Patrick Mahomes is third all-time in NFL playoff wins for quarterbacks. He's one behind Montana for second. Unreal. Which, like, his only fault there is that they were the number one or two seed so many times that he didn't get to play in the wild card round. Yeah. If they'd let him do that, he'd be second all time right now. Mahomes has won 15 playoff games in his first six seasons at the age of 28. Brady did not notch his 15th playoff win until year 10. Wow. Do some math there. Brady wins his first six playoff games en route to the Super Bowl. They win three, three, they're Super Bowl champs. He doesn't get his 15th until year 10. Or they, they Sorry, they won the first nine, I think, with Brady in those three Super Bowl runs. Yeah. So he's got some what we call margin for error in terms of, like, he could not win a playoff game for the next four years and would still be ahead of Tom Brady. After halftime in Super Bowl 58, which is the most recent Super Bowl that was played on Sunday night, Patrick Mahomes accumulated more yards than Tom Brady accumulated in two different individual games where Tom Brady won Super Bowl MVP. In the second half of Super Bowl 54, Patrick Mahomes' first Super Bowl against the 49ers, Mahomes accumulated more yards than one of Brady's full Super Bowl MVP games. So I'm going to rephrase that. Patrick Mahomes has multiple Super Bowl halves that were better performances than at least one, if not two, of Tom Brady's Super Bowl MVP games. Unreal. Six seasons as a starter apiece. They both played 95 games. Mahomes has the better record by three games. He won 73, Brady won 70. Better completion percentage by five. More pass yards by 6,500. More pass yards per attempt by basically a full yard, 0.9. More pass yards per game by 70. More passing touchdowns by, what's that, 72? Doing some quick math. 219 to 147 pass touchdowns in the first six years. 16 fewer interceptions. Quarterback rating 15 points higher. He has 1,500 more rushing yards than Patrick Mahone, or than Tom Brady. His yards per carry is 5.2. Tom Brady's is 1.8. 12 rushing touchdowns to three. They both won three championships. That's what a lot of these legacies are built on. Yep. Six Pro Bowls to three. Three All-Pros to one. Two MVPs to zero. One Offensive Player of the Year to zero. Three Super Bowl MVPs to two. There's not a single statistical category on this entire graphic. I'm not cherry-picking these, by the way. Like, this is what stat reference or sport reference has. Right. It's every stat that they track. Mahomes is ahead in every single one of them. Except for games played, they're tied, and championships won. They're tied at three. 
Do you know who won the Super Bowl MVP that Tom Brady didn't win in his first three? Was it Dion Branch? Dion Branch. Here's some playoff stats before turning 30. Now, mind you, before turning 30, Mahomes still has one full year. So he has this plus whatever he does next year in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes, 18 games. Tom Brady, 14. So that would tell me that Patrick Mahomes made the playoffs more often and stayed in the playoffs longer than Patrick or than Tom Brady since he's playing more games. Passing yards, Patrick Mahomes has 1,900 more. Passing touchdowns is 41 to 20. Mahomes has him fully doubled up, plus one. Despite playing four more games, Patrick Mahomes has one fewer interception. And we already covered the Super Bowl champions and Super Bowl MVPs. He's ahead in every single category. Mahomes eclipsed 270 yards passing in a Super Bowl three times in his first six seasons as a starter. Brady did so once. Brady's best total yards output in a Super Bowl in his first six years was 366. Mahomes' was 399. Patrick Mahomes beat three number one seeds in the Super Bowl in his first six seasons. Brady beat two. Mahomes had objectively the hardest path to a Super Bowl title since at least 1981 per DVOA. Brady did not have a top 10 hardest path in any of his Super Bowl wins, not just in his first six years, but in his entire 23-year career. Patrick Mahomes has three of the top five highest QBRs for a Super Bowl winning playoff run since the stat was created in 2006. Brady has none in at least the top seven. That's where the graphic I saw cut off. Who knows how far down that goes. A fair rebuttal is to say that Brady had three Super Bowls before this stat was created. So what would his QBR have been? I don't know. I don't think it would have been better than Mahomes is based on the other stats we just covered. That Mahomes has thrown for more yards and touchdowns, fewer interceptions. So even if you went further back than 2006, it probably tells the exact same story. By the way, not only does Mahomes have three of the top five, he has the number one highest QBR in a Super Bowl winning playoff run. This one is courtesy of First Things First on Fox Sports 1, I believe. In the last five years in the NFL playoffs, when teams besides the Kansas City Chiefs are trailing by 10 or more points, their record is 6 and 48. That's an 11% win percentage. Wow. If you go down by 10 points and you're not the Kansas City Chiefs, you have a 1 in 9 chance of winning the game. Patrick Mahomes' record in the same type of game when trailing by 10 points in the playoffs, do you know what it is? In in the playoffs? In the playoffs, uh, six and oh, five and one, five and one. Yeah, the Bucks beat him by 22. They obviously didn't win that game. Gotcha, forgot about the Bucks. Yeah, he wins 83% of his games. That That's what that equates to five and one, 83% when he's trailing by 10 or more points. The rest of the NFL wins 11%. So it's Texans, Titans, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Yep, you might also remember from earlier in this episode, 83% is Patrick Mahomes' playoff win percentage, period. Which is to say, his odds of winning a game when down by double digits is the exact same as it is if he never goes down by double digits. 
winning like, again. Yeah. He's he's gonna win anyway. Okay. This is playoff career all time ranks. Win percentage, 83%. That's first all time. Uh, let me back up. This is among all quarterbacks in NFL history with at least 10 starts in the playoffs. I think that's a very fair threshold. Win percentage, 83%, first all time. Total yards per game, 314, first all time. Touchdown interception ratio, 41 to 8, first all time. Passer rating, 105.8, first all time. Completion percentage, 67.9. You want to guess? First all time. That's right. This is the one that you were alluding to earlier. Let's. I, I said Patrick Mahomes cemented his legacy as the most clutch player in NFL history. I'm going to back it up with some data that you sent me. This is courtesy of Neil Payne from Neil's Substack. Since 2001, which encompasses the entirety of both Mahomes and Brady's careers, there have been 125 drives in the NFL postseason where it was at least the fourth quarter, there was under a minute left to play, and the team on offense trailed by seven points or fewer at the start of that drive. So one score games with less than a minute in the fourth quarter or overtime. These are your standard, quote, clutch moments for a football team, the do-or-die drives that win and lose critical games. Out of those 125 drives, 40% of them saw the team on offense pull off the magic trick and get the points they needed. Some quarterbacks are pretty good at it. So 40%, that's the standard. If you're better than 40%, to me, that says you're clutch. Like Tom Brady, he went 5 for 11 in such scenarios. That's 46%. He's above the clutch threshold by 6%. Or Drew Brees, who, smaller sample size, went 3 for 6, 50%. He's above the clutch threshold of 40%. Patrick Mahomes is 7 for 7. That's what we call perfect. In these situations, that's 100%. Unreal. And something everybody else is lucky to do 40% of the time. He has done it every single time. And this isn't two or three clutch drives. It's seven. In NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL history, the four American major sports combined, one player has won his third championship game or series MVP, so Super Bowl MVP, NBA Finals MVP, etc. Only one player has won his third such MVP before year eight in his respective league. Do you want to guess who that one guy is? Before year eight. Um, I think earlier Michael Jordan, I think, I think the fact is he won in his seventh season. I believe that's the number. So it's not Michael Jordan. Uh, Wayne Gretzky? No, it's Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I thought I thought you said one other. No, just one. Oh, only one. Oh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. I could have answered that correctly if I had <laughs> heard the question right. Here are some others. This is this was on ESPN last night on Sports Center, and when they got their third championship game or series MVP. Okay. Matt. Magic Johnson, eighth season. Tim Duncan, eighth season. Michael Jordan, ninth season. Shaquille O'Neal, tenth season. Joe Montana, eleventh season. LeBron James, who is like right up there with Michael Jordan in this kind of conversation we're having. Thirteenth season is when he got his third NBA Finals MVP. 
Tom Brady, the guy we're talking about, the only guy that Mahomes is chasing, 15th NFL season. So that would have been his 14th as a starter, 13th if you count that he missed an entire year due to injury. Mahomes got in his 7th or his 6th year as a starter. And then Patrick Waugh, 17th season in the NHL. So that's a little bit off the rails because we're talking about all the major sports, not just the NFL. But that's crazy to me. Like the guys that I just listed in their respective yeah. sport, that Mahomes is ahead of all of them. Now, as you know, Rob, NFL regular season was 16 games for a while. I think two, maybe three years ago, they bumped it up to 17 games. Patrick Mahomes has now played 18 career playoff games. So a little bit more than a regular season. Here's a stat line in 18 career playoff games. Again, this is against the best of the best. 456 for 672 passing. That's 67.9%, as we said earlier, first in NFL history. 5,135 yards, 41 touchdowns to eight interceptions, first in NFL history. 105.8 rating, first in NFL history. Rushing the ball, 90 carries for 525 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, five touchdowns. 18 games is slightly more than the 16 or 17 game regular seasons that Brady and Mahomes, or yeah, Brady and Mahomes played. If you cherry picked Tom Brady's best regular season, where he's not playing all playoff teams, in 23 years, he would have zero seasons with more total yards than Patrick Mahomes has in his 18 career playoff games. Wow. He would have one season if you cherry picked his very best with more total touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes' 18 career playoff games. He would have two seasons. And by the way, I'm not saying cherry pick Mahomes or Brady's best season and then compare. I'm saying like his best season in total yards, his best season in touchdowns, like because those could have been in different seasons. Right. He has two seasons out of 23 with more passing yards, one of which, by the way, would require 47 more pass attempts than Mahomes' 18 game playoff total, and only three seasons out of 23 with a better passer rating, none of which came in Brady's first six regular seasons as a starter. Yeah, I would guess 2007 would be the year that uh, passed some of those totals. It has also been pointed out before the Super Bowl game that Mahomes' stats through 17 playoff games were almost exactly what the average NFL MVP accumulates over a 17-game regular season. Like if you went back and looked at the last five or ten quarterbacks that won NFL MVP and averaged their stats – that's what Patrick Mahomes did in his first 17 playoff game. So what he's doing against the best competition in the NFL is MVP level for what everybody else is doing in their best seasons ever. Again, this is the only Mahomes sample size. I'm not saying, hey, cherry pick his best season, cherry pick his best run. Everything he's ever shown us, the only sample size we have to go off of. In the playoffs, he's as good as individual players are in their best season ever in the regular season. Again. His only sample size, his only playoff sample size is better than like 90% of Tom Brady's 23 different cherry-picked regular season 16 or 17 game stretches. I think it's clear that through the first third of their careers, Mahomes is better. I don't think it can even be reasonably argued against that if you look at their six seasons playing football, Mahomes is better. Here's what Brady did in the next seven seasons, or let's call that the middle third of his career. 
six and six playoff record with no Super Bowl wins. I remember talking to you in Mainville about this, that if Mahomes got his third, he had bought himself a lot of time to get his fourth before falling off of Brady's pace. Now, Brady, of course, was incredible in his late 30s and into his 40s, adding Super Bowl titles and MVP awards really, really late in his career. So Mahomes probably doesn't want to bank on replicating that at age 37 plus because it's hard to do. Right. We might never see anybody play past the age of 40 as good as Tom Brady did. But he's bought himself some time and margin for error to make a serious run at the GOAT conversation in the next seven or eight years. Because the middle third of Brady's career, the stats were still good. They made the playoffs consistently. Did not end with an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, multiple Super Bowl titles, another dynasty. Like To me, this next window, this next six or seven years is kind of when Mahomes has his shot. My final thought on this, it's a long final thought. It's probably multiple thoughts wrapped into one. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I can't help it. Just like before this game, I was talking like this is the ultimate legacy game. Couldn't help it. The Chiefs have an opportunity to become the first team in NFL history to reach three consecutive Super Bowls also means the three-peat has never been done. If, if Mahomes wins three in a row, which would be four out of six, and reaching five Super Bowls in his first and only seven years as a starter, I think there's a serious conversation to be had that he could retire before the age of 30 and be called the greatest of all time. It would mean that he would hold the best three-year, four-year, five-year, six-year, and seven-year stretch in NFL history. Probably the best two-year stretch ever if you count these last two back-to-back with in the season they beat the Eagles, him winning regular season MVP, Super Bowl MVP, and leading the league in all the statistical categories. It would mean his Super Bowl record is 4-1. and one. And his playoff record, depending on if they play in the wild card game or not, is 18 and 3 or 19 and 3. So, in other words, again, to frame this, the only sample size that we would have in front of us from Patrick Mahomes and his career would be the greatest stretch of any player's best stretch in NFL history. And assuming he wants to play beyond the age of 29, which, why would you not? Sure. He would have plenty of time to further cement his legacy. And if there's still an argument or debate, uh, he has plenty of time to add some stats and achievements to it. I think he has more to achieve if he wants the mantle of greatest of all time. Because I do think greatness is a lot about the legacy, the wins, the championships. And when I talk to other fans about the GOAT conversation, more hesitant onlookers kind of worry about Mahomes staying on this trajectory. Is it sustainable? I don't know if he can go to four Super Bowls every five years for the rest of his career, but it reminds me all too much of these types of doubts that surrounded his decision to enter the draft, the decision to trade up and take him in the top 10, the types of doubts that surrounded his ability to win in prime time or in cold weather or in the big game or on the road in the playoffs or with Tyree Kill. It is beyond me that people don't understand yet. This is who he is 
And this is what he does. And it's not about to change. Are they going to win three out of every five forever? Probably not. But you have the best player, the most clutch player in NFL history. They're not, they're also not about to just go like seven and 10 next year. <laughs> right. Um, it might be too early to be talking about greatest of all time. But I also think, and and many others clearly think, who are far more qualified than me, who played the sport, have covered the sport professionally, who coached the sport, who have worked in front offices, their reaction to Super Bowl 58 a couple days ago was, this is, 15 is the best to ever lace him up. I agree with that. I think he's the best. We'll see if he can kind of get those legacy items checked off the list. But he's the best player who's ever played the game of football. And the beginning of his career, everything we just went through, cannot be explained any other way. I agree. <laughs> I mean, how much to add there? I think it's a, it's a ridiculous run. And you put, you put it perfectly saying, you know, you, you can't look at a different stretch of Patrick Mahomes' career because it's the only stretch he has. And if you stack that stretch against Brady stretches, he's better. Now, what do you say to the Breda files on the internet that say, well, he was 0-3 in the playoffs against Tom Brady? I mean, firstly, you say D Ford was offsides. Uh, you probably get a chance there, and the overtime rules have since changed. You probably get a chance there as well. And that's in his first season ever versus uh, season 19, 18, 17, 18 uh, of Tom Brady's. Uh, of course, the the older, wiser is going to win in that respect. And then the Super Bowl, again, that's peak health, number one defense versus uh, no offensive lineman that had started all year. Uh, I think Mitchell Schwartz was playing. Uh, and that's that's how negative it is. I mean, that's that's two of the losses right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think head to head matters. Um, and I tried to preface all of this again by reminding everybody that football is a team sport, but we do judge legacies based on wins and championships. I've made this point repeatedly on this podcast, whether we're talking college, pro, football, basketball. Head to head is a tiebreaker. Yes. These two guys through six years are not tied. They're tied in Super Bowl wins and games played. Everything else, they're not tied. If Mahomes finishes with seven rings, they would be tied in that. So, and like then we can look at the rest of the body of the work. What's what are the total stats? What are the accolades? What's the playoff records? All that. If he gets to eight, which sounds absurd, it sounded absurd to me 370 days ago before they got their second one. Like, how could you win eight in a career? When you have three at age 28 with as long as guys are playing now, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not willing to rule it out, especially if they three-peat next year. But like I said, our society is obsessed with these legacy conversations. And if we just shut them down only at rings, Bill Russell would be the GOAT in basketball. Um. And then, oh, well, he played in the 1950s. Okay, then, like, Robert Ory has just as many as MJ. Pippen has as many as MJ. They won them all together. Neither one of them won a ring without the other. So, like, is Pippen on the same tier as Michael Jordan? Obviously not. But what we do as a society is we reach a point. I call it the I know what I saw index because there was a tweet a while back that was like, 
you can tell me about Jack Nicholas and the majors one in golf, but I just got through watching Tiger Woods' career and I know what I saw. Tiger Woods was the better golfer. I think some people are, I don't want to get into MJ LeBron. I honestly kind of don't really care, but a lot of people are like, okay, MJ has six rings. He made six NBA finals. LeBron made many more than that. Like, do you give him credit for going further in the playoffs than MJ? I, I, I think you probably should. Some people are confident. They know what they saw. They think LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. Through six years, I think, like I said, not just me, because I'm I'm a homer. I can admit that. But other people who have played the quarterback position, other people who have been responsible for drafting football players, for signing free agents, for people who have coached this game, people who have covered this game for 20, 30, 40 years, all said at the end of the Super Bowl, 15 is the best to ever do it. So I don't know if he needs seven Super Bowls to have to start the conversation. I realize that there are some people that like live and die by that. And that's they're the same people that are like, well, Tom Brady was born first. It is essentially the reduction of their argument. It's like, yeah, I know that. But if you would open your eyes, like you would see what the rest of us saw. And there are plays he makes that Tom Brady cannot make that nobody else can make. So, yeah, let's factor in head-to-head as part of the total conversation. Tom Brady, amazing quarterback. He's still the GOAT. Uh, Tom Brady lost three Super Bowls to Nick Foles, Eli Manning, and Eli Manning. If Mahomes' only Super Bowl loss is to the GOAT, like that's a much more explainable loss. You know what I'm saying? Mahomes is also so good that he's eventually, when this is over in 10 or 15 years, going to have made other guys' legacies. Like, if Joe Burrow beats him one out of four times in the AFC title game, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, Burrow even beat Mahomes a couple times. That's how good he is. Um, So it's it's a fascinating conversation. I I don't like when people just start and stop at rings. I I guess if if you want to say Bill Russell is the greatest basketball player of all time, you're, you're welcome to do that. I think we all know it's not true. That's where I'm at is I know what I saw. It's funny to look at the other side of the coin, too. You you see, you flip the coin, you come up heads, and it's Patrick Mahomes and his legacy and how incredible it is. Just look at the legacy he's he's killing as well. I mean, Lamar Jackson has two MVPs but has zero playoff legacy. Uh, he got beat by Tannehill once and, and Patrick Mahomes this latest time. Uh Josh Allen? What is Josh Allen if Patrick Mahomes isn't in the league? Josh Allen. What is Kyle Shanahan? Is Kyle Shanahan redeemed from the Patriots? uh, Falcons debacle? Does he win two straight Super Bowls or two out of three uh, without Mahomes, two out of four, whatever it was? Um, Maybe so, but right now he's a bum, Kyle Shanahan, who can't do it in clutch times. People said the same thing about Jordan. They were like, think of what – Think of what Hakeem Olajuwon or some of these other guys' legacies would have been if Carl Malone, John Stockton, like how many guys did he prevent from winning a title? Josh Allen could have been in three Super Bowls right now, if not for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Kyle Shanahan could have won two of them. And like then he's in that rare – how many NFL coaches all time have won more than one Super Bowl? So Patrick Mahomes, you're right, it's going to go both ways. He's going to prevent guys from becoming Hall of Famers who otherwise would have. He's also going to, on the rare occasion he does lose to them, catapult that that guy beat Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl. 
or that guy beat Patrick Mahomes in an AFC title game. That guy won three MVPs while Patrick Mahomes was in his prime. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, I remember, I don't remember the name of the ESPN 30 for 30, but it was about the miracle on ice and but it was it was the other side of the glass. They the subjects of the documentary were the Soviet hockey players. And at the very end, like the last scene, they're interviewing one of the Soviets, and the question is framed to him something like, Does it still bother you all these decades later that y'all weren't able to beat the United States and and win Olympic gold? And he goes, Oh, 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 oh please, please. And he goes, imagine this. If I kiss Sophia Loren, I will tell everybody for the rest of my life about the time I kissed Sophia Loren. He goes, you think she remembers me all these years later? No. That's what Patrick, like, some guy six years from now is going to beat Patrick Mahomes and win a Super Bowl. And it'll be his only one. Like, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to finish with one. Not over Mahomes, but like, Right. Hall of Fame career, one title. Matt Stafford, Hall of Fame career, one title. Somebody's going to do that over Patrick Mahomes, and it'll be like, hey, this guy, automatic Hall of Famer. He won a Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes like could have four, five, six yeah. of his own, but like the story will be that this guy beat – it's David and Goliath. Dak Prescott. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's crazy to me. And it's, I've never really, I've never been on this side of um, sports fanhood. Me neither. Like, I need to be careful with it too, because (laughs) like Texas Tech never won at all in a sport that I've followed since I was alive. Um, I mean, like they did in track, but like, you know what I'm saying? Vikings never played in a Super Bowl. Twins never won at all that I was old enough to remember. Timberwolves, not even close. NASCAR, really not that close. And I'm sitting like, uh, I think the Chiefs have probably surpassed the Vikings for me. Uh, you know, if I'm just being honest about like how I feel watching the game, and I was thinking through the scenario of if the Vikings, who have been my favorite team since probably 2000 2001, if they played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and I, I thought about this years ago, I was like, yeah, you know, I hope that Mahomes goes off and the Vikings win. I'm not so sure I would feel that way. It would be a weird feeling to watch Mahomes like score against the Vikings in a Super Bowl and cheer about it. But I also don't know if I could fully enjoy the Vikings, like the confetti coming down on the Vikings, if they had just taken another one away from Mahomes' potential legacy. I think we also had a mailbag question not too long ago about like what was the last sporting event that made you cry, and I, I don't think there was one. I need this out there stated very explicitly and plainly. I did not cry after the Super Bowl, okay. but if I wanted to, I could have. <laughs> it was one of those. It, it wasn't so overwhelming that I couldn't stop it. Yeah, but I was like, if I wanted to let it flow right now, I I could. Like I'm that freaking proud of him. That the run that they made this year was so amazing to me. Yeah, and to win it in overtime and walk off fast, I was like, if my wife wasn't watching me right now, I would I would cry. <laughs> Like I, I really could. I've never. I never thought sports could move me to that. Yeah. But Patrick Mahomes' greatness apparently can. And if he three peats, I, I think I don't care who's watching. I'll, I'll probably <laughs> let the waterworks flow. But um, yeah, I was much more emotional at the uh, the Rangers. But that 
that Chiefs yeah. win is pretty good. And don't get me wrong, I I like the Rangers, but you know, sure. more more of an adopted team than like a lifelong. I've been toiling, man. I've been so, toiling in media. Yeah, yeah. No, I I believe it. So that was big time. Uh, all right. We could keep talking about Patrick Mahomes, but I think we need to move on a little bit to uh, the other side of the Kansas uh, world that we were a part of this uh, week, weekend. Uh, the losers now, the Fraud Hawks. Um, I hate the overrated chant. They came in ranked six, but that was their fifth Big 12 loss. Right? I think so, Who's seven and five. five. So. I mean, it's hard to say that they're not uh, a little bit overrated. Um, first of all, what are your thoughts on the overrated chant from a student section? And second of all, how soft uh, – should we bring it up again? I brought up this guy several times, the Rock Chalk blog. Uh, Let's talk – yeah. Should we, should we talk about the game first and then get to that or – Yeah, before we do any of that – here. Before we do any of that, since we're 78 oh. minutes in without an ad read and we've got bills to pay – true if you're accused of fraud falsely we hope call our friends over at barnett howard and williams bhwlawfirm.com they're red raiders just like patrick mahomes and probably you if you're listening to this they hope you never need them but you've got a strong team of attorneys in your corner if you do they do criminal defense title nine student litigation catastrophic injury give them a call if you're if you're ever in one of those situations bhwlawfirm.com if you want to learn more where to start? Uh, like you mentioned, we've got the McCullough chance. We've got the fact that you beat the number six team in the country by 29 points. We've got Warren Washington. You tell me, I, I took up way too much airtime talking about Patty Mahomes. So I feel like this next segment is all yours. Yeah, let's start with the game. I, I think uh, you did exactly what you needed to do. You hit a bunch of threes early. You got them out of their rhythm. The crowd was great. The whiteout was great. Uh, the USA was special once again. Fran Fraschilla. On the call, he got Boy. Kevin McCullough, uh, even though he wasn't playing. Uh, big time. I thought, you know, we talk about it. You needed other people to step up. Uh, Darian Williams, the sophomore, went 12 for 12 on some difficult shots, hit three threes, didn't miss a free throw, had 11 boards, a steal, a block. Um, the first Red Raider since... My cousin-in-law. Rob Lewandowski to go at least nine for nine. I saw some more stats that I believe Buddy Heald in Big 12 play went 10 for 10, and that was the next best. So a 12 for 12 performance with three threes from a forward, not a guy who's out there shooting a bunch, with a bunch of off-glass, off-foot, off-platform shots. Um, Arguably the greatest performance from a Red Raider in Big 12 era uh, that I could think of ever in a, in a, in a need game against a uh, number 16. Yeah. The only, the only thing stopping me from saying this was the greatest regular season performance in program history or since the turn of the century, whatever parameters you want to put on it was, I think Culver went for 31 in Ames to win the big 12 in the last regular season game of the season. So like, I know he wasn't perfect in that game in terms of field goal percentage, but Either way, whether this was the best game or the second best game in regular season history for an individual performance, just absolutely unreal. And for a sophomore who I think flashed a lot as a freshman, Mountain West freshman of the year, and has been a bit up and down this year, but 
showed you potential, that's the kind of performance that you almost wonder, like, is he ever going to look back from this or did he just unlock a level where he's going to be great from now on? Obviously, he's going to miss a shot in future games, but did he just find some kind of confidence or find some kind of game where, like, looking back, he's no longer a, an 8-6 and six guy. He's more of like a 12-8 and eight guy or something. Incredibly impressive. And I, I didn't realize I, – I had the volume on low. I don't know what I was doing. But, like, I didn't realize till the end of the game that he was perfect. Um, and he was still out there. I think at 11 for 11, and he shot. I was like, oh, because I didn't want him to ruin it. And yeah. he splashed it. And I was just like, get him out of the game. Like, do not let him shoot. Um, kind of reminded me of – like in game 162 of a major league baseball season when they like a player's batting exactly 300 and they send him up to the plate. I'm like, I would just be like, I'm going to finish the season 300, not risk getting out here. Um, but amazing. And yeah, I mean, when you're on a list with buddy healed in terms of big 12 basketball or college basketball, you've done something pretty incredible. Um, and he's got other elements of his game. Like he's, he's still a good passer, um, pretty good rebounder. So if he can score anywhere close to that for the rest of his career, and he's got two full years left, he's you found something incredibly special in Darion Williams. You also have Bill Self getting uh, tossed. First time ever at Kansas. First time ever. Um, good riddance. See you later. It was the second time you've beaten Kansas by 29 points at the USA. And the last time you did it, you went on a pretty good run, uh, 9-0 and to finish Big 12 play. I don't think you'll do that again, but you are 2-0 and with seven remaining in Big 12 play. Um, look, you're 7-4 and in conference. If you go 7-4, and that would match your 14-4 and record. If you win this weekend... Uh, you'll be right back in second place. Uh, you'll play Iowa State in Ames. I believe, according to T-Rank, this is usually Ryan Mainville's uh, world, uh, but I believe, according to T-Rank, this is the last time right now that you'll be uh, underdogs the rest of the year. Uh, right now, I think UCF on the road was 0.5 points. Uh, but the rest of them looks like you're going to be eight point dogs this weekend. And then the rest of the time you'll have uh, allegedly uh, a leg up on the road two more times after that. And at home three times in the final five. Yeah. I think nothing at this point in the season, looking ahead to, finishing off what looks like it's going to be an NCAA tournament caliber regular season. No question is more important than what is the extent of Warren Washington's injury. We got a peek at what that looks like when he was out with, I don't know if it was the flu or if he heard something for the Baylor and Cincinnati games, I think it was. And it just further magnifies probably this team's greatest efficiency, which is they have a tough time defending in the paint. They have a tough time pulling down rebounds. I hope no matter what his injury is, I think you could still string together a couple wins to finish nine and nine and make the tournament. Hopefully he's back to play those tournament games. Cause I think that's where things get really dicey. I, I don't know if we've seen or, or heard anything on that, that that has been reported yet, but 
really hope Warren Washington is able to play again this season. Um, and yeah, this this game in Ames, you know, we'll uh, I guess we'll see if a cyclone can beat a Red Raider, unlike on Sunday. That's the only dancing on Brock Purdy's grave I'm going to do. But they look really freaking good. I saw one chart. I can't remember. I think it was just a x-axis and y-axis of like offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency adjusted for opponent strength. And Iowa State was on like the top right, which is where you want to be on that chart with like eight or nine other teams. And they were labeled as like one of the teams that is likely to win the national championship. Like one of those 10 teams is probably going to win the natty. So they're a really good team. That's a tough building to go into. Um, That doesn't look good, but then you've got some more manageable spots to try to grab a couple more wins. And I think you're pretty safely in the NCAA tournament. How many more wins do you need to just say, all right, you're a nine seater better and, and you're locked in. I think, I think two, I think if you're 500 in this conference, with now a signature win over Kansas road wins over teams that are at least like very solid in net and Ken Palm, like Texas, OU. I think that's enough. Even if like the rest of your conference wins are Oklahoma state, West Virginia, UCF, not a shot at those teams, but I, I don't see you getting left out at nine and nine, eight and 10. You're kind of leaving it in the committee's hands. So that's where I'm at. I think I guess you're seven and four now. So if you could finish even just two and five, which feels like just hanging on, but that might be all you can do without Warren Washington if he's out. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's that's the number I've thought all season you'd, you'd feel good about. I think that's still true. Uh, you're four and five in quad one games right now. I think you only have, as net rankings stand now, only two more opportunities, Ames and then playing Baylor in Lubbock. Um, oh, actually, on the road – in Orlando is right now right on the cusp of quad one. But anyway, I mean, there are teams that I don't think have anywhere near four quad one games that are kind of on the bubble right now. Um, You still have no quad three or quad four losses, only quad two losses, Cincinnati. And that one is pretty close to being quad one if they can pick it up a little bit. So all that to say, I don't see a ton of like vulnerabilities in your NCAA resume. I think nine and nine, you feel, you feel pretty good. I agree, and especially if that uh, those two wins are – I mean, if they're Iowa State on the road and Baylor at home, I think you're locked in, locked in. But if you avenge TCU and, and beat them at home and then Baylor at home and then, hey, if you win Texas at home and you go 10, 10 wins and those three at home to close out the year, even with three or four straight road losses, I think you're locked in. I don't think you'll lose that much to close out. I think you have a better opportunity than that especially on the road. Uh, But we know what the road looks like in the Big 12. Um, It's tough. It's a tough road uh, to hoe, as they say. A couple of people have mentioned other big games. Uh, Jay Jackson scored 50 against Nebraska and Lincoln. Uh, Rayford Young against Kansas and Lubbock when he had 41 points, 35 in the second half to win in 2000. It's a big game. Rayford Young, obviously Trey Young's father. Played here at Texas Tech. Um, yeah, but I mean, tw- if it's not the greatest performance in Tech history, it's the most efficient for sure. Yeah, literally, it's, it's literally the most efficient performance in Big Twelve history. Yeah, it's a it's a shooting percentage that will never be broken. Yeah, 
somebody could match it. I hope sure. they do, but nobody will ever beat it. Especially from Texas Tech, yeah. Uh, let's talk. I feel like we maybe didn't totally tie up this game because I want to talk about Dickinson, who I think is a chump. Yep. You, I, I don't usually like calling out college kids, but half of them now are 24. I think he is too. He's making a lot he's of old. money. He's a he's grown old. man. Yeah. And he's a chump, so I'm going to call him a chump. He's a chump. Um, the K-Mac chance, you want to you want to talk about that? Overrated chance, I think you want to talk about that. Yeah, I don't like the overrated chant because it, it to me it says uh, these guys aren't very good and that's the only reason we're winning. To me, I don't like that. Uh, of course, it's a bunch of 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids chanting at other 18 to 22-year-old kids, uh, a bunch of freshmen out there in the crowd at their first big game, whatever it is, and that's the student section. I audibly laughed at the We Want Kevin chant. I thought that was funny. That's good, clean fun. Uh, the Rock Chalk blog after the game. I'm gonna read the. I'm gonna read the tweet. I said I wasn't gonna do it. I'm gonna read the tweet. Uh, let me go find it real quick. I quote tweeted it with LOL. Uh, Chanting, we want Kevin, but only after your team builds a safe lead. And a 22 year old who gave everything to your program for three years and is unable to play because of injury. That's something. I don't mind the booing last year, but that's total and complete bullshit. Shut up. I mean, that is one thing that I can say to you. Shut up. That is good, clean fun. They're not chanting F Kevin McCullough. They're not, you know, leveling uh, batteries at his face. They're not chanting death threats. They're not being over the line. They're not cussing. We want Kevin. That is good, clean fun. It's funny. I believe I saw Kevin McCuller smile at it. That is within the bounds of the game. If you don't like that, what are you doing in college athletics? Because there is above and beyond that in every game if you've ever been to a live sporting event. Yeah, I've talked before about, I, in my opinion, fans kind of getting the short end of the stick and there being overreactions to what I considered PG content. Like when um, Jeff Orr called Marcus Smart a piece of crap. Marcus Smart goes into the stands and shoves him. That was not an appropriate response. That was not a calibrated response. Piece of crap is PG. We want Kevin is G rated. Like you could go chant that at like a little league game and not be the most obnoxious or annoying parent at a little league sporting event. So I, I thought that was weak. And, and like the only good point rock chalk blog made there was that like, Oh, this is the conference that, you know, cracks down on horns down right. kind of, that was actually BYU doing it. And so the equivalent here would have been gas going and grabbing the PA mic. Uh, like pop did that one time to tell people to stop booing Kawhi. Me like, Hey, Cut it out with the we want Kevin chance. And if Gas had done that, I'd have been like, dude, it's a college student section that's G-rated. That's not an appropriate response. So I I thought that was just fun. And like, especially in a game that he lost by 29. Like you're telling me K Mac was going to be a plus 30 player if he played. It's also it was also K Mac's decision. K Mac wanted to transfer in conference. Yes. What did he think was going to happen when he came back to the USA? It, after after playing in a game where Chris Beard returned. Like he saw he could, that 
and then left knowing he'll come back twice. Yeah, like you can only be a victim of other people's reactions to your own actions to a certain extent because you're in control of your own actions. And he was like, I'm going to go to the biggest brand basketball school in the conference yeah. and come back to Lubbock. And, and to be fair, K-Mac isn't the one complaining about this. Like you said, he was having a good time with it. Um, but the, the fact that Kansas fans think that that's like over the line, it's hilarious to me. Kansas fans also, I'll say this, Rob. I, I love when my team wins, but it, it unlocks kind of a special or another level of enjoyment when we beat a team and have like pounded them into submission so bad. Kansas State did this in a one or two point loss. Kansas did it in a 29 point loss. But when you beat them and their fans just go cry about the refs, the player, the coach, the injuries, the that, 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 that. It's like, and I kind of get it. I do. Like, I've been frustrated at the refs after a basketball game. I think this team would be better with Devin Cambridge. He's hurt. That all sucks. But to just like, Bring people to that kind of behavior is like, man, not only did we beat them, but like they're having a tough time. They are literally crying about it. And I know people say that online all the time, like, oh, go cry. But for Kansas, the mecca of college basketball, well, one of our players was hurt. So what? We're Texas Tech and you're Kansas, and we just beat you by 29. You're the sixth ranked team in the country. One of our starters is hurt too. Sorry, like tough. And that, that's my thought on it is tough teams see adversity like that. I'm like, okay, let's go out and win a game by 29 points and weak fans just sit there and cry about it. It's, it's hilarious. That's like, it's like bringing Notre Dame football to its knees. If tech played them and like, Oh, our starting running back was injured. You're Notre Dame. Like you're Kansas basketball. And you're sitting here whining after getting your ass handed to you by nearly 30 points for the second time in recent memory, by the way, that I love that response. Like we're not just a good team that's winning games, that it is a super tough style of play that people just hate playing against and hate losing to. I can't believe we got Kansas to complain like that after a loss. All right. Sorry, I was counting. Bill Self has been the head coach at Kansas 22 seasons. That was their fifth conference loss in their only their 12th conference game. Uh, I see one, two, three, four, five out of 22 seasons, five out of 21 seasons where they lost five period in a conference slate. Only two seasons where they lost six in a conference slate. Um, this is new territory for Kansas, to be fair, uh, because I had assumed they'll lose at least one more, which will match their most ever uh, losses in a conference slate. If they lose two more, it'll be more Big 12 losses than they've ever had. Uh, going back to the history of the conference, they've not lost more than seven conference games, more than six conference games since the Big 8 in 1989 with Roy Williams in his first season. Wow. Wow. They've not lost. The they've not lost more. They've they lost ten back to back conference games in uh, nineteen eighty three with Ted Owens. Okay. And by by the way, this is the number six team in the country, yeah. and they're like 
probably also about sixth in the Big 12 standings. Just to that's not a shot of Kansas, by the way. That's just the parody in this league is to get to seven and four, you have to be really freaking good. Unreal. I thought I thought Bill Self getting ejected. He he said he didn't want to get ejected after the game. I think he he was tapping out. He was saying no moss. He was like, I'm tired of this. I have no hand to play. We're not gonna win this game. Like I'm frustrated about the officiating. Get me out of here. You could tell after the technical that he was he doubled down. Yeah. He doubled down trying to get a second to get kicked out. I mean, obviously. To make the best coach in college basketball at the Mecca of college basketball say no moss and quit is a good feeling. It's pretty awesome. First time ever. Yeah, like he's not a hothead. He's not Bob Knight who gets ejected five times a year. He, this never happens. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, so backing up, Hunter Dickinson is like absolutely giving Bob Jennings the business when they call that foul and Bill Self gets ejected. You've you've seen this a million times. Every time a shot goes up, Hunter Dickinson finds himself like arm barring whoever he's blocking out. He pulls them to the ground with him and then throws his hands up like, oh, I didn't do anything. No, you do that all the time. So he's doing that. He did like the kind of like headbutt thing to Warren Washington. I mean, it's just like the typical kind of like Grayson Allen. You hate playing that guy because he's annoying or like Lance Stevenson in the NF or the NBA. Brock Cunningham for a college basketball exam. He's not quite the same because he's actually a productive player and doesn't only step foot on the court to go like foul people. But just like not a player that I admire. And there are opposing players in the Big 12 that I'm like, yeah, like he's a dude. I like watching him play. Nothing bad to say about him. Can't really apply that to Hunter Dickinson. I'm praying on his downfall. In, in like wins and losses in basketball. <laughs> yeah, I hope he stays healthy and uh, plays the rest of his career. But and loses in the first round. Yeah, it would be really funny uh, and pretty epic for them to lose. I don't know five of their last seven and miss the tournament. They would. Or, they would miss the tournament. But if they, if K Mac transfers there and goes ring chasing and like doesn't get to the Sweet Sixteen. Especially if we win a tournament game or two this year, that would be hilarious. Because he yeah, got to the Sweet 16 under Adams, and then like if Gas wins two tournament games this year, and they he finishes at Kansas with two tournament wins, they had one last year. That would be pretty funny to me. That'd be like if Kevin Durant joined the Warriors and then they like missed the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, after being one of the greatest teams in yeah. basketball, pretty great. All right, uh, next up Iowa State. We talked about him a little bit. You'll be huge dogs at Ames. Um, I think you and I – well, hold on. Are we going to forget how Hunter Dickinson went off on Mark Adams for no apparent reason? No, we're not forgetting that. It's part of the reason we don't like him. That's part of the reason I don't like him. Yeah. If you forget, Mark Adams didn't want to give Terrence Shannon – now, let's go back to the moment where we didn't know what we know now. Um, He didn't want to give Terrence Shannon – a free scholarship for a summer session after Terrence Shannon entered the transfer portal. Uh, so he could get enough credits to go to Michigan. And Mark Adams is like, no, I'm not going to give you a free scholarship. I'm trying to recruit that scholarship to somebody new. Uh, Hunter Dickinson went off. So is what it is. 
are you prepared to say that we have no chance against uh, Iowa State to maybe put some of that uh, in the air? No chance. No chance. I mean, I I would assume uh, less than zero chance. By the way, BYU up on UCF right now, eight with seven twelve to go. Baylor leading OU by twenty with five and a half to go. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's tough. Uh, Oklahoma is still ranked somehow ahead of you. Ahead of you, they're six and five. Uh, you're now seven and four. Uh, I think regardless of what happens this weekend, you'll be ranked again, huh? I think so. Yeah. After beating Kansas. All right. There's a lot more to cover tonight in the mailbag, but I think we're going to flip over to the Patreon uh, Matador Transit mailbag. If you want to listen to the mailbag, you can follow us on Patreon, patreon.com slash gauchos. $5 a month for a lot of backfield content. And of course, those beautiful, beautiful recaps that Ryan Manville puts out after every game. Lots of thoughts from Kyle as well. And the Discord, the number one Discord in the Texas Tech universe on the Gambling Gauchos Patreon. So uh, all the perks there, just $5 a month. It's beautiful. Final thoughts on uh, Mahomes? Yeah, if you enjoyed the Mahomes-Brady conversation, I actually forgot one point I was going to make about Brady. I'm going to save it for the mailbag episode. So if you... Just loved guzzling the 50 different data points and all that that we ran through and really want one more. It'll be in the Patreon episode. So join us over there. I don't know if I love the word guzzling in that context, but I will guzzle some more uh, on the mailbag. I, I, guzzling, chugging, just like all the Kool-Aid, give it to me. Uh, do you want to respond to the Texas Tech fan that uh, doesn't like Patrick Mahomes, but it's definitely not because he's a 49er fan? Did you see this? No. I guess he made a tweet and had to put out some apology because I guess Texas Tech fans attacked him for not liking Patrick Mahomes. Jeez. But he put out like the uh, the note app four screen uh, biography of why he thought it was cringy for Texas Tech fans to like Patrick Mahomes so much. I don't get that at all. No, um, I don't. By the way, before I forget, let's also talk Kyron Lindsay social media use in the Patreon episode. Yes. But yeah, I don't. I don't get this. Like, why do y'all like him so much? Like, what? <laughs> He's the greatest of all time. Like, what are you talking? Like, if Michael Jordan went to your school, you wouldn't be like, "Hey, I'm pretty proud of that guy." You're just supposed to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna fold my arms." Like, well, only won seven games here. Like, we all and know it's, that. It's definitely not because I'm a 49ers fan. No offense to that guy from listening. If he's a listener, uh, it was just a funny, funny line in that. Uh, that Nobody. He's not the only one. Like, I see tech fans are like, hey, like, take it easy on all the Mahomes crap. Like, we're kind of overdoing it. Yeah. No. Oh, we don't want Adidas. We don't want Mahomes logo on our stuff. <laughs> the, the Look. It's I an played, ugly logo. I played dodgeball at the Texas Tech Rec Center with the greatest football player of all time. Yeah. I'm going to cheer for him when he's in the Super Bowl. My, I didn't go to Tech, and my Facebook profile picture is me and Patrick Mahomes. You met the guy. When I met him, he was just like cocky 18-year-old. Like he just wanted the ball. Like in dodgeball, you can imagine what kind of arm he had. But oh man. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell that story. And uh 
yeah, when he shows up to Arrowhead or whatever, wearing a double T, like I enjoy that. And I, I kind of don't get sports fans being like, why are y'all rooting for this guy or this team? Like uh, that's the entire point of being a sports fan. That's why if that's okay with you. And if it's not okay with you, I don't care. I still almost cried after the Super Bowl. So, and you're not going to talk me out of feeling that way. <laughs> there he is. A couple of goats there. Just a couple Lubbock legends, baby. All right. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah. See y'all on Patreon. Love y'all.